So this week we are continuing our series on the Apostles' Creed, and we're looking at the, the second line that says, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. This weekend I've uh, had the privilege of having a, a pretty great weekend out with some of the folks from Grace Community. Uh, last night, Trace and I were, were honored to join Team Grace over in Orlando as they rode in the Bike MS uh, race, uh, the Citrus Tour. Yesterday, they were scheduled to ride 100 miles, and uh, they got a little rained out. Uh, they didn't get rained out because they ride in the wind and the rain, but they don't ride in lightning, and eventually the lightning overtook them, and they canceled the race, so they only got 83 miles in. Uh, only 83, right? I told them that was a gimme, you know, so, you know, another 17 miles, it's kind of like a two-foot putt when you're playing golf, right? It's all right. So 83 miles, but we joined them for, uh, for cocktails and for dinner later, and, and it was really great. Uh, they, they won the, the prize for the best team jerseys. They have new jerseys this year, and, and Team Grace was all over the area, at least 26 riders. But uh, one of our proud, you would be very proud, and Trace and I were very proud that uh, they are the number two fundraisers for the whole Citrus Tour. They raised over $45,000. Now, I mentioned this, uh, their goal is $50,000, and you can have, there's another 30 days to the fundraising, so if you feel led to help them hit their goal of $50,000, uh, we can send you that link and uh, make sure you might want to be giving to that. But it's, it was really phenomenal to be with them and, and the energy. They woke up this morning and headed off at 7 a.m. for the next 50 miles that they were going to ride today. So 150 miles, two days, and uh, I think they'll be a little sore tonight probably. Friday, we had the, the privilege of spending the day with uh, Sandy and Dave Townsend. One of my favorite things to do when we were in, in Fort Myers is we sat on our lanai and we had this great live oak tree. And in the morning time, over a cup of coffee and scripture and prayer, I would be visited by, by tons of birds. To my dismay, the grackles ended up kind of overtaking the neighborhood, but, but it was still joyful to see 50-plus grackles around that area every morning as I enjoyed coffee. And I've lamented that as I, I came here. I, I just, we didn't have that spot. We didn't seem to have those birds around. And, and I've been watching Sandy and Dave's photography, wildlife photography on Facebook. And, and finally, I gained the courage and said, hey, would you, just, would you guys take us out and, and show us where you go to hike and see these birds and see all this wildlife? And they, they obliged us on Friday, and, and we met. And and Sandy asked me this question. So what kind of birds do you have in your backyard? And I've been lamenting and said, well, you know, we don't really have any birds in our backyard. You know, we don't really see any. I see the occasional cardinal, you know, the occasional mockingbird, right? Because there's mockingbirds everywhere. And, but not really. I don't really see a lot of birds. And I you know, said, well, we haven't put any bird feeders out or, or water. Or, and we have the dogs, and maybe they're keeping the birds away. But I was kind of lamenting, we don't have any birds in our backyard. And, and then we stepped foot on this boardwalk at Lettuce Lake Park, and uh, about 10 feet in, and the sounds of the birds were just amazing and all around us. And we sat there for probably 15 minutes trying to spot these birds. And, and Sandy just kind of sits there, and she, she can identify the birds just with, with the sound of their calls and their songs. And, and then the trick was trying to find them. A little further in, we, we saw lots of things. We saw a, a great gator here. And that's about 75 yards across the lake. And Dave has this wonderful scope with the camera where you, so you can get really close in. And, and then we, we were blessed with this, this, um, this next guy. There you go. Which I've forgotten. It's the Dave, help me. Black crown night heron. I, I couldn't remember which crown, but black crown night heron. It got on the on the the walkway we were walking on, and 
And Dave was able to get up and close and personal with that scope, and we could just see every detail right there as it sat. And, and a little further in, Dave was, was telling me, you know, when he volunteers, people are asking him, like, what, what was it that I just saw? And he, he says, well, what did it look like? Where did you see it? And, and when did you see it? You need to kind of watch and listen and try to identify and then you can go back and you have, you know, they have these bird field guides that you can look at and find. But you really got to gotta watch and listen and, and take in kind of the general appearance of things. And, and then you can go and look at the, the key characteristics that are in the bird guide. Or, or now they have apps on your phone as well. So you might be asking, well, what does is, what is this birding out, out trip uh, have to do with the Apostles' Creed? Well, hold on. I hope when we get to the end you'll, you'll, you'll see this. But, but for me, this trip... Outbirding and the Apostles' Creed both started with a question. What kinds of birds do you have in your backyard? And friends, the, the Apostles' Creed, at least the second section especially, starts with some questions too. If we look at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, Jesus asks a question. And then in, in Matthew chapter 8, the disciples and others are asking a question of Jesus. So first is Matthew 16, Scripture, verse 13. Now when Jesus came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the human one is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist or Elijah or still others, Jeremiah or, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said, well, what about you? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter jumped in and, and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Over in another place, you, you will remember this story. This is Jesus calming the storm in Matthew chapter 8. Jesus is asleep in the boat, and, and, and uh, there is this great, great storm that arises, and and it says that a huge storm arose on the lake so that the waves were sloshing over the boat, but Jesus was asleep. And they came and woke him and said, Lord, rescue us. We're going to drown. And he said to them, why are you afraid, you, you people of weak faith? And then he got up and, and gave orders to the winds and to the lake, and there was great calm. The people were amazed and says. What kind of person is this? Even, even the winds and the lake obey him. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What kind of person is this? Who do you say I am? These, just like Sandy's question to me about the birds in my yard, these scriptures have questions for us too. And I believe that the, the Apostles' Creed answers these questions. It answers, it answers the big things, the, the important things, the, the key descriptors. It's, it's kind of like the field guide for birding. It gives you a general framework of our faith. You remember last week, we, we, we looked at the Apostles' Creed, and we, we said it's, it's kind of like our elevator speech of what we believe. It's the first line that we looked at, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. It, it sets the foundation. But, but really, if we look at that, 85% of the world faith community would agree with that. 85% would agree that there's some kind of higher power in, in, involved in creating Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Sikhism, they all agree there's a higher power creator. But the next line that we're looking at today, and incidentally the longest part of the creed, is the information that really makes our faith as Christians unique and distinct. It's like the information in the field guide that defines who Christianity and what Christianity is. This next part, this Jesus section, has two parts. The first part of the Jesus section talks about the names and titles of Jesus. 
And it goes back to an ancient tradition where your name was, was developed by what you did, where you were from, or who your father or your parents were. So let's take a look at this next section of the, of the Apostles' Creed. It says, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. So we're going to pull out these names. The first is Jesus. It was a, it was a common name, Yeshua where we get Joshua in the Old Testament. This common name means to deliver, to rescue, to save. It's where we get this idea that Jesus is the Savior. And we hear that right in the beginning of, of the Gospel of Matthew. You remember how the angel Gabriel came to Joseph in a dream, and, and he said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. Jesus, this first name of Jesus as Savior, the one who saves. Secondly, we have Christ. Now, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Nor is it an exclamatory sentence or phrase that you say after you hit your hand with the hammer. Okay? Christ is, means the anointed one, means Messiah. Peter in 16, Matthew 16, 16 says, You are the Messiah, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Israel, the people of Israel looking for a king to come and to rescue them for, for years and years, and particularly this first century, they're looking for people, a, a Messiah to come and to rescue them from the Roman Empire. But Jesus was a different kind of Messiah. Jesus didn't just come to rescue one people group in, in one time in a certain part of the world. Jesus came to be king and Messiah over all of creation. So we have Jesus, the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and now we have Son of God. Scripture says that we are all sons and daughters, but, but Jesus has a special relationship with God, the Son of God. And it's defined in how Jesus came to earth and, and lived a human life. He was born of, of a woman and raised in a poor home in the first century Palestine. and He grew up just like we grew up and experienced everything we experienced. We, we call that that he was incarnate. But also, in that same time, Jesus was 100% human, but also 100% divine. Yeah, the math doesn't add up. It's some super awesome mystery that probably this side of heaven we won't be able to fully grasp and understand. But, but Jesus came and was incarnate, 100% human and 100% fully divine at the same time. Jesus came becoming a visible representation of a yet invisible God. When we see Jesus, we get to see the very face, the very life, the very actions and characteristics of God himself. So Jesus, the Savior, Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, fully human and fully divine, our Lord. This is also an ancient practice of, of lordship. You see, whatever was, was a particular area or a people group, there was a lord over that group. So in a family in first century Palestine, the, the husband, the man was the head of the household. He was the lord of the household. Remember, ladies, this is first century Palestine, okay? The lord of the household. The, the group of the area, the city, or, or the town had a leader. That person was the lord of that city or that town or that area. King, like King Herod, was the lord over a certain area of Palestine. And then Caesar, particularly the most famous Caesar, Caesar Augustus, was the Lord of Lords, signifying the highest authority in the empire. But friends, we know Jesus 
as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And it's easy for us to say our Lord or, or Jesus is the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, but, but it's another thing to really reflect and is Jesus really our Lord? Do we let Jesus have the highest authority over all parts of our life? over our work life, over our family life, over our thought life? Do we let Jesus have authority as, as the Lord of our entire lives, or, or do we let him have a little bit here and a little bit of peace there and, and kind of pick and choose where we want Jesus to be the Lord of our lives? Because otherwise it's a little too uncomfortable if we let him have this part. Kind of like when visitors come over to your house, right? Everybody has that closet or that bedroom where things go in and we shut the door because we don't want our friend. And sometimes we do that with our lives. Okay, We don't want Jesus to have lordship over this part, so we're going to put it in this closet and certainly Jesus is not going to see this, so we're okay. Is that just me that has those closets and places? So that first section, Jesus the Savior, Christ the Messiah, the Son of God, our Lord. Names and titles of Jesus that define who he is, the field guide for who Jesus is. And the second part of this Jesus section of the creed, it narrates the birth and the death and the resurrection and his reign over creation both now and in the future. You know this one who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. Several years ago when Tracy and I were serving at Hyde Park in children's ministry, we had a child come up to us at the break and he we were, we were using the Apostles' Creed as part of our children's worship. And he came up and he was he's kind of disconcerted and confused and, and concerned. He said, well, Miss Tracy, I'm a little worried because I'm not quick. So friends, don't worry. If you, know, if you are slow and alive, Jesus is still going to judge you. You don't get out of it just because you're slow and alive. Because, because that phrase is just an old word, quick and the dead, is really just living and the dead. Jesus will come and judge the living and the dead. So don't worry if you're not quick. This part of the creed tells the story of Jesus. It's, it's our Advent story. It's our Christmas story. It's our Lenten story. It's our Easter story story. And Adam Hamilton says this, he says it's our defining story. Jesus demonstrates who God is, what God is like, and what God's will is for our lives. His life and ministry, his death and resurrection shape how we see ourselves and how we see the world. When God sought to communicate his love for us, he, he sent Jesus. It was in his Son that God's message, God's word, came to us and became our defining story. Through Jesus, God was saying, I am. You matter to me. I love you. In Jesus, God, God showed that he cared about those who were lost and those who were made to feel small. He showed us compassion for the sick. He showed us to love, to forgive, to give, to serve. In Jesus' death on the cross, God showed us the depth of his love and the costliness of grace. And in Jesus' resurrection, God defeated evil, hate, and sin, and death. Sounds like we need amen, hallelujah there. Defeated evil and hate and sin and death. When we were on our adventure with Sandy and Dave, birding a little bit, the, the field guide later 
on our phones would, would help us to recognize some of the key characteristics and to identify a particular bird. But I tell you what, when, when we saw that bird or that animal through the binoculars or through, even better, the scope that had more magnification, it became more real and, and more vivid. The birds came to life right before our eyes. I think the, the, the Apostles' Creed gives us a field guide to recognize the key characteristics and the framework of our faith in Jesus. But friends, it's when we get into the scriptures and, and we spend time in prayer and solitude, worship and serve and give and, and tell our story, and, and when we really try to live out the teachings of Jesus, then our faith becomes more real, more vivid. Our faith becomes alive right before our eyes. Amen? One way to remember, and our faith comes vivid and real and alive right before our eyes, is in the sacrament of Holy Communion. It was before Jesus' death. He was with his friends in the upper room, and he took the bread, and, and he gave thanks, and he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat, and each time you do so, do so in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup and he gave thanks. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood poured out for you, for your sin and the sin of many. Take it and drink from it. And each time you do so, remember me. Oh God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. Until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forevermore. Amen. I want to invite those who are going to be serving to come forward and we prepare for communion. As they're coming forward, I'll let you know this is not Grace Community's table. This is not the United Methodist table. This is the Lord's table. And it's open to all people. All people who simply say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus' help. So in a few moments, we'll invite you to come down these two center aisles and uh, you'll come with your hands open and you'll be given a piece of bread, and you'll take that bread, and you'll dip it into the cup, and then you'll take those elements of communion. After you receive those, I invite you to spend some time at the kneeling rails, and you can pray, and spend as much time as you like. It's, it's a great place to pray. And I invite you also then to exit over around the edge and come back to your seats. Should you struggle with gluten, we have a gluten-free station right here in the center, and we'd be happy to serve you right here. So friends, prepare for the table, the feast that is set out for you, and be nourished by Christ's body and blood. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. 
sure everyone got a chance to be served. If, if it would help to come to you, we'd be honored to do that. If not, I invite you to stand for the benediction. Let's leave this place with the field guide of the Apostles' Creed in our pockets. But going out and experiencing the wildlife of the real world, loving as Jesus loved, serving as Jesus served in order to bring glory to God. Go out and make your faith life more vivid and more real. Go out and live your life for Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen.